This is a Dice of Brussels. Let's uh, do our first of uh, our regular roundups. It's the uh, 11th of July. Uh, as I've suggested in my previous podcast, things maybe have uh, calmed down a little bit. Uh, but it's fair to say that uh, the two and a half weeks or so since the uh, referendum uh, was held on the 23rd of June have been unprecedented in modern political history in terms of the amount of uh, important things and consequential things that have happened. So let's just run through those and just uh, use that to try and sketch out a bit uh, where we are. So we've gone from a uh, 52-48 split in favour of leaving the EU uh, on a high turnout uh, in the referendum. Uh, almost immediately into David Cameron announcing his resignation uh, the following morning and triggering a leadership contest. Now, uh, if you'd talked to anyone on that Friday morning, you would have said that Boris Johnson was a shoe-in for that post. Uh, he had made uh, uh, a lot of uh, momentum uh, through the campaign. He was the face of Brexit. Uh, and yet, uh, we in fact find ourselves, two and a half weeks later, with Theresa May, someone who campaigns to remain uh, just on the verge of taking up office. Now, uh, that's happened through a, a variety of uh, processes. Uh, we've seen uh, Johnson uh, be uh, stabbed in the front by uh, his colleague Michael Gove, who in turn has been undermined by this uh, perceived act of treachery. Uh, we've seen uh, the emergence briefly of a contender uh, to May in the form of Andrea Leadsom, who had been a, a prominent uh, face of the Leave campaign, who then uh, this morning has withdrawn, uh, citing the pressure of uh, public scrutiny. Now, uh, there's, a, there's a rhetoric here that I think is, is worth noting because I think it's something that we will come back to uh, in the months and probably years that will follow, which is the notion of uh, Brexiteers uh, running away from the problem. Now, I think it's important here to distinguish between uh, some very different processes that are going on. Uh, I think Johnson... Uh, you could argue, uh, has uh, run away uh, from uh, the responsibilities that were coming, aided by uh, character assassination by Gove. Uh, Johnson, you got the distinct impression, had been surprised to have won. You remember that he was uh, uh, effectively conceding back when um, uh, polling first closed and the very first results came in on the Thursday night before backtracking. Um, and didn't actually ever seem very gleeful at the uh, and happy about the result that had come. Now, you can attribute that to uh, him maybe using the campaign as a way of building his uh, profile and his uh, uh, position for the leadership referendum. Um, but I think that's a very different situation from someone, for example, like David Cameron, who had fought uh, and invested a lot of political capital uh, in remaining. It's different from Michael Gove, who essentially uh, stabbed himself in uh, the foot, if you can stab yourself in the foot, um, uh, while stabbing uh, Boris Johnson. The, 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 the cut that, that did for Johnson also did for him uh, too.
And Leadsom is uh, somebody who uh, I think has stumbled into a position where there seemed like an opportunity uh, to uh, secure power, but uh, an underappreciation and a degree of naivety uh, politically uh, about what that might involve. And clearly some questions uh, were being raised about uh, financial affairs, about her CV, um, which even if they had no substance, clearly she found distressing um, and I think uh, weakened her cause quite uh, uh, extensively. So I think we shouldn't overplay the levers uh, running away from the problem. I think there are very different uh, motivations behind each of those stepping backs. At the same time, we've got uh, the Labour Party uh, in even more disarray than the Conservative Party. In fact, I don't think the Conservative Party is in dis disarray. And if you think that here we are two and a half weeks later and we've got a new leader already, uh, the Labour Party is still about to start a leadership contest. Um, that The failed effort to push Corbyn out by his uh, parliamentary uh, party uh, has failed. Uh, it's hard to see Corbyn uh, voluntarily uh, relinquishing power. Uh, a whole degree of confusion about what the leadership contest rules actually require uh, to become Labour leader. And uh, I think really problematically for Labour, the, the the split within the party is not uh, vertical, it's horizontal. It's between the parliamentary party and the uh, membership. That The membership, you have to imagine, would re-elect uh, Jeremy Corbyn, uh, as and when it comes to a leadership contest. And it is the MPs who are in a different place. They were enthusiastically pro-membership, uh, unlike their... Uh, core uh, voters who split maybe 40-60 uh, in uh, the favour of uh, remaining. So a substantial minority uh, who uh, went with leave. Now how they resolve that is anybody's guess and I think that's one of the things I've learned in the past two weeks is the, the uh, realms of what is possible or realistic is uh, in need of radical redesign. I've seen things that I would have thought completely uh, impossible. So that's still to play out. We've got uh, Nigel Farage, who you would imagine would be very happy and was very happy on the Friday morning, uh, also resigning uh, at the end of last week, triggering a leadership contest in UKIP. Uh, again, lack of clarity about the uh, leadership rules. We've seen some new rules issued uh, today, which says you have to be a member for five years, which uh, considerably limits the pool of people who might uh, stand for uh, the post. So uh, UKIP finds itself in a strange position of having uh, helped win uh, the vote, but possibly finding that it's uh, lost its biggest uh, face in the form of Farage, and losing a lot of its raison d'etre. What's the purpose of UKIP? Uh, I think a lot of people will be wondering. Outside of Westminster, we've got a whole series of other effects. We've got the economic turmoil that's been generated by this result. We've seen big losses uh, in uh, the FTSE uh, uh, over the past uh, period of time. They've been recovered, uh, particularly with larger, more internationally orientated companies that have benefited but still the, the FTSE 250 which is more UK based firms still doesn't look that great. Uh, we've got uh, a big depreciation of sterling on currency markets 
which doesn't look like a short run effect. That looks like uh, investors being worried about the the long term uh, process. We've got uh, effects in Scotland where Nicola Sturgeon, I think probably is the only person who has a plan uh, in all of this uh, that I've seen so far, has used uh, the very strong uh, majority for Remain as a way of uh, overcoming the loss of the SNP's majority in Holyrood to relaunch the process of a second independence referendum. So uh, Scottish Parliament will be considering legislation for that relatively soon and you have to imagine that the SNP will be feeling quite confident and bullish about this. Uh, Northern Ireland remains a big area of concern that there isn't uh, a clear process, nobody has uh, a model of how to manage uh, Brexit uh, in the Northern Irish case um, and that I think is something that we will have to keep uh, watching very closely as we go along and I'd like to do a couple of episodes about uh, the issues and the uh, aspects that are uh, going on. All of this is, if you like, the consequence of the referendum. But we have to remember that the referendum was about the UK leaving the EU. And one of the things that we know least about is where we are in that process. So David Cameron on the Friday morning said he acknowledged the results, he wasn't going to try and reverse it, but he didn't feel that he was the Prime Minister who could make the notification and lead the negotiations, hence uh, the need for uh, a leadership contest in uh, the uh, Tory party. Now as such, as it stands today, I will check my feed, yes it hasn't changed, there is no notification to the EU that the UK is invoking Article 50. And as you will know from endless pieces online, uh, on television, in your newspaper, in conversations, uh, we're all Article 50 experts, and I will bore you with Article 50 as we go through uh, once again. And you can listen to uh, my uh, episode if you go back through on the uh, Diocese of Brussels uh, webpage, uh, which is www.adiocesebrussels.com, uh, or if you go to our SoundCloud page and you type uh, Article 50, then you will find the episode. Um, until the UK formally notifies the EU, there is no process. There's no uh, informal negotiation, although uh, Philip Hammond, the uh, Foreign Secretary today, uh, has had some conversations on the fringes of the NATO conference in Warsaw uh, over the weekend. Uh, clearly there will be some informal uh, activity going on, but very much uh, kept to one side. I think the EU27, which is the key phrase you'll have to learn, so that's the other member states, are keen to not let themselves get uh, turned round by the UK any more than they uh, need to be. So they are having to work on what they are going to be prepared to offer the UK. The UK is going to have to be prepared preparing uh, to work out what it is going to uh, ask for um, and uh, if nothing else you need to agree a process by which Article 50 actually works. So there's a gap at this point. Where we are today we might not be by the end of the week. Once Theresa May takes up her post formally uh, on Wednesday she has a decision to make. Um, she's in post 
much sooner than anybody had uh, planned. Everyone had thought this would go until September because there was going to have to be a need for a, a leadership contest uh, in the Tory party. Now, that actually suited everybody, I think, uh, because nobody knows quite what they want or how they're going to go about getting it, and the delay until the autumn was tolerable. Previously, May had suggested that it would be perhaps rash to notify before uh, the end of this year because uh, it was important to get things in order. Now, how much her schedule changes uh, as a result of the abbreviation of the leadership contest is very much a moot point. So she might say, we still need the summer to do it, uh, and I will give a date on which I will submit my notification. So in effect saying, you know, this is the time I will tell you formally. She might say, I'm not giving you any date uh, yet because it's a lot's going on and we need to get our house in order and I'll do it in good time. Um, or she might say, well, we're here, we get on with it, I'm notifying you now. I'm writing a letter to Donald Tusk and we're on our way. Uh, at this point, it's really hard to know. I think she is more likely to go for the first of those options to say, I will be telling you in the autumn or some variant thereon rather than trying to do it now uh, given that there is a fixed uh, time period for article 50 negotiations uh, nobody uh, wants to waste any more of that particularly the British uh, than they have to and notwithstanding the need and desire to get the uh, negotiations concluded uh, it probably serves everybody to wait for now uh, so that we could uh, actually get our, our ducks in a row. That's very briefly where we are. I think uh, there's a lot more that could be said and will be said, but at this stage I think that's uh, perhaps a useful overview. I'll be doing these uh, updates uh, on a regular basis. Quite how regular, I don't know. Um, maybe every other week, although given the rate at which things are happening, uh, it might be more often in the next few weeks. But certainly once we get into uh, the more steady state of uh, things, uh, then it will be maybe every other week or every month, depending a, a bit on what's going on. Anyway, uh, I hope you find that useful as a first cut, and we will talk again soon.